Okay, our text is in Isaiah chapter 59, and we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 15. Now, in the first eight verses, our Lord was showing His people their sin. He was exposing their vain religious hopes that cannot save. He said in verse 5 that they hatch cockatrice's eggs, and he that eateth of their eggs dieth. That's because man's works, they're not nourishing, they're not nutritious, salvation, spiritually speaking, they're poison. They're, They're poison, and those who trust in them and feed upon them for their they're standing with God, they're going to die. They've already died. They're already condemned. And then he speaks of the web of lies that we make as a garment for ourselves to cover our nakedness, to make a robe of righteousness for ourselves. And our Lord calls them spider's webs, saying, Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity. And so the Lord exposes the dead works of his people to show us our need of Christ, to show us that we need a Savior. We're not our own Savior. We don't make ourselves accepted with God. We need the salvation that he has provided. Well, in the verses tonight, verses 9 through 15, the Lord here exposes, he continues to show the false ways that his people trusted him. And he shows us this is what he separates his people from in the awakening of his grace in them, what he works in them. He shows them their undoneness. He shows them that that everything we've done has come to nothing. It's only brought us darkness, there's no peace, and there's no rest, and there's no light in it. And so, by the grace of our God, working his wonderful works, he separates his people from these hateful things. He separates us from the vain dead works of this flesh, that we may rest in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. So I've titled this message, The Awakening of of grace, or we're, we're awakened by his grace. We just call it the awakening of, of grace here. So the Lord makes a strong indictment against his people in these verses. These, these people have come to realize they're in great, great trouble. And these words, they describe the false ways of all people. Everybody's in in darkness. We all come forth in Adam in complete and utter darkness. However, most people just go on living their lives, careless of these things. They don't take any notice of the darkness that they're in. They don't care whether their religious works are foolishness or silly or do nothing at all. They don't care. They're happy to live in them till the day that they die. Every knee shall bow to the Lord, and every tongue shall confess to God. Everyone's going to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And for many, that's going to come when they stand before God in judgment. But in this passage, 
as you read it in this passage, there's someone who takes notice of it now. They hear now, in the day of God's grace. They hear the charges that are laid against them and they're made to confess their sin. They bear an honest testimony about themselves. And sinners left to themselves, they don't, not before God. They don't come to a knowledge of just how wasteful, how, how vain their works are. Now, we don't often know the intimate details of what the Spirit of God does when he brings understanding into a heart. It's, it's through the preaching of the gospel that we hear our Savior, that we hear our need of Him and find our need of Him. But we, while we don't know exactly when, it could be later on as they're driving home, it could be when they're laying in their bed, it could be when they're reading something else or back under the sound of the gospel at another time. But there is a beginning of life for every one of God's people. There's a beginning of spiritual life when they're awakened by His grace. Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And so this passage here shows us that awakening of grace in the hearts and minds of his people who become troubled. They become troubled. Look at what they say in verse 9. Therefore is judgment far from us, Neither doth justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold, obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in darkness. And so when you read these verses, you realize someone's taken notice. <laughs> someone's heard what the Lord has, says, has said, and they realize, I'm the problem. I'm the problem. They heard when the Lord said back in verse 2, Look at uh, Isaiah 59.2. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. And so someone was listening, and someone only listens when the Lord gives them an ear to hear. They only realize they're in darkness when suddenly they have some sight, some light given them to know that they are in darkness. They only know that they're dead when the Lord has given them life to know that they're dead. They only hear when he's given them an ear. And they only receive the things that the Lord has said when he's given them a heart to receive it. And so they hear and they take it to heart. They know that their ways, their ways, according to this flesh, are corrupt. They're not pleasing to the Lord. And it's because the Lord will be gracious to them. He's making them to see their need of him. Our Lord says over in Isaiah 54, you could turn there if you want, Isaiah 54, verses 16 and 17. We see here in our text that there's a people that are brought into trouble, and he says over here in Isaiah 54, 16, Behold, I have created the smith, the blacksmith, that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. No weapon 
that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness, their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. And so that soul which is awakened by the grace of God, they'll come into fear, they'll come into dread, they'll come into being troubled by the Lord and being troubled by the things which they are hearing. But it's for the purpose of good. It's for their good. And that good is recognized when it drives a fearful sinner into the arms of Christ. Some can be made afraid, but they can just go back to their couch and just sit and watch TV and their troubles just fade away or they could just go to whatever it is that makes them happy. But that one who's awakened by grace cannot escape the Lord. They cannot escape what the Lord is speaking to their heart and how he's stirring and troubling their heart. And they won't be still and they won't be satisfied until they are plunged into that healing fountain of blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ whom God has provided to, to quiet the screaming conscience, to, to make still the troubled heart. It's all in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to go through each of these verses, beginning in verse 9. Let's read 9 again. Therefore is judgment far from us, neither doth justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold, obscurity. Or behold, there's just a very faint, basically imperceptible light. That's all we're getting. We look for brightness, but we walk in darkness. So the natural man, when he does his works and, and, and makes sacrifices, especially in religion, when he does that which he thinks he's supposed to do, when he's consistent in it and he's doing what, what others tell him is the right thing to do, he expects good to come his way. And he expects some recognition and reward for his goodness and his wisdom. But the best thing that can come upon a sinner who doesn't know the Lord, is for there to be no relief, for there to be no reward, for them to look and wonder, what's going on? Why am I still troubled? Why is this not working? Why is it that what I do, it seems that God doesn't hear, and God isn't taking any notice of my efforts and my works? So the best thing that could happen is that they find no hope and no satisfaction in themselves and find no reason to trust in the things that they are doing for the Lord. Because for all their efforts, the wrongs that they experience, they're never set right. Nothing that they try to do and fix is never set right. There's no judgment, there's no justice that overtakes them. Good never seems to catch up to them. And, and we've experienced that, where things just never ever go our way. We just seem to miss, always. We just miss out all the time, but it's for our good. It's for our good. It makes us to know our need of the Lord and keeps us ever leaning on Him and depending upon Him. They say, we wait for light, but behold obscurity, for brightness, but we walk in darkness. 
the Lord has mercy on his people, not because they bring themselves light. He brings light to those who have no light. He brings grace and mercy to those who don't deserve grace and mercy. He's not looking to us to brighten our darkness. You know, there are others that are just constantly pep-talking the people and just telling them to put a smile on and turn that frown upside down and, and put a smile on your face. And it sounds good and maybe it cheers you for a few moments until you leave their presence, but, but it never satisfies. And that's good for those who have no knowledge of the Lord, who have no understanding of his grace and peace which he's provided in his son. And so the Lord humbles his people. He brings them low that he may lift them up. He darkens our eyes that he may be our light. He makes us to walk in darkness and to know our need, to, to struggle and, and to see that, that we need his, his light, his grace, his mercy, that whatever we're doing for ourselves isn't sufficient, isn't bringing us any relief, that we may seek him to know Lord. What is it, Lord? What, what would you have me to know? And he shows us it's not what, it's who. It's who. This is my son, and whom I'm well pleased. Look to him. Trust him. Believe on him. And so, the purpose of our darkness is to bring us to the end of ourselves. To bring us to call upon our God for help. It's for God to show us him who is the light of the world, to see that we were striving and and struggling and trying to be that light and trying to get in good favor with the Lord. And the Lord shows us that, that what we were doing was not pleasing to him, and it wasn't salvation. It wasn't life, and it wasn't light. And that's why he broke us of those vain ways and those dark Uh, and, And that darkness that we walked in, he makes us to know we've been walking in darkness all this time. We just didn't even know it. (laughs) And so he makes us to see, he brings us to see him who is the light of the world. Look at his word to the desperate sinner who's made a recipient of his grace in Isaiah chapter 50. Look at Isaiah 50 in Let's look at verses 10 and 11 and listen to this description in relation to what we're seeing where this this soul here in our text is calling out saying, I'm walking in darkness. I have no light. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here, Lord. I, I, I think I'm doing good, but, but why, why aren't you noticing me? Well, verse 10, Isaiah 50, 10. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant? that walketh in darkness and hath no light, let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. The name of the Lord that your God has given to you is Jesus Christ. Stay upon Christ. Look to Christ. All who call upon him shall be saved. Those who trust in him and hope in him shall receive forgiveness of sins. Now, contrary to that object of his grace, he says to the proud and arrogant one who's confident in their religious works and what they're doing, 
He says, Behold, all ye that kindle a fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks that ye have kindled. This shall ye have of mine hand. Ye shall lie down in sorrow. And so that one who's left to himself has light. It's a false light. It's a light by which they're warmed and they're comforted and they think things are good. But that one who's brought to darkness, the one who's brought to know I have no, no light. I am in darkness. Lord, I need you. I need your mercy and your grace. Save me, Lord. Have mercy upon me. That one receives comfort of the Lord. He says, you, you, you trust me. That one receives comfort of the Lord. But that one who's happy in their, their ways, happy in their religion, happy looking to the law, happy in what they do and bring to the Lord, he says, you go on in it in your light, but you're going to lie down in sorrow. You're going to die in your sins, as Christ said. Next, he says in verse 10, or this is the, the, the sinner. So back in Isaiah 59, 10, this is the awakened sinner. They cry out, we grope for the wall like the blind. We grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. So the cry of this poor sinner is the realization, I'm blind. I'm blind. I can't see. I'm just stumbling about. I don't know what I'm doing. Now, look back in Deuteronomy. This, this harkens back to the curses of the law. Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28. And first, we're going to look at verse 15. And here Moses is recounting to the children of Israel this law which they have submitted their neck under. They've put their neck under this yoke of the law, boasting that they'll do it. They're going to do all that the Lord has said to do. And Moses says, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all his commandments. All right, we've been seeing how men like to separate and divide out which portions of the law are still applicable to believers this day. But he says you need to observe all the, of the commandments of, of the law and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Now look down at verse 29. Deuteronomy 28, 29. And thou shalt grope at noonday, as the blind gropeth in darkness. And thou shalt not prosper in thy ways. And thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save thee. You see, that soul that looks to the law for their righteousness... They come under the curses and condemnation of the law because the law demands perfect obedience. Perfect obedience. God isn't winking and saying, well, you did your best. You did your best. Good, good enough. Good enough. No, the law demands perfect obedience. And that one who will live by the law 
and gain his acceptance with God by the law, he brings himself under the curses of the law if he does not keep all the commandments perfectly. And we don't keep the, the perfection of the law. We don't keep the commandments of the law perfectly. And so that man who's trusting in the law, when we come to the Lord and we, and we're, we, we profess Jesus, but we're looking at the law and thinking this is how I'm to live now and I've got to do my best now by the law, we now have brought ourselves under the curses and condemnation of the law. We're not trusting and resting in the blood of Christ. And so that one who trusts in the law, if he's the Lord, if he's Christ, he's going to find that the law is no shelter. He's going to hear the thundering sound, the rumbling and the shaking of his house. He'll, he'll hear the crashing of the lightning about him and everything will shake and fall apart and he'll find this is no refuge for me. This is no salvation. This is not salvation. the salvation of God. I'm undone. I'm a guilty, vile sinner before God. And the Lord does that. He lets us know that to drive us from that hope in, in the law, which we cannot keep because of the weakness of this flesh, and to drive us to Christ. As our Lord said, if ye believe not that I am he, I am the Christ, I am the Savior whom the Father has sent to save my people. If you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Even if you're living pretty good under the law. Because the law demands perfection. And we can't give the law what it demands because of the weakness of this flesh. We are sinners who come short of the glory of God. This flesh is weak and it's vile. And so the sinner in our text is made to know I'm blind. And they're groping about with no relief. They stumble. They're brought to desolation. But he's been given a sight, if you will, to know his terrible, undone condition before the Lord. And he's not finding relief in his religion. He's not finding relief in the law. That's why he said those words, because he was looking to the law. And so for this cause, for the sinner's relief. God the Father sent his Son into the world, taking upon him the likeness of the, uh, of the weakness of this flesh, yet without sin. And he faithfully fulfilled all the demands, all the requirements, all the justice of the law, and loving his God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength, and his neighbor as himself. And having fulfilled that law perfectly, being the fit sacrifice, the spotless Lamb of God, he went to that cross as our substitute, as the substitute of his chosen people who cannot save themselves, though they were loved of God from all eternity, we couldn't save ourselves and God could not forgive us justly except that his Son die in our room instead, in our place sacrificing himself, shedding his blood for the remission, the forgiveness of our sins, that God may be just to forgive you, who now hope and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for all your righteousness. All who trust him shall find the Father welcoming, a friend, 
one who forgives them and receives them into their kingdom. So you won't find relief by the law. Not if God is gracious to you, you won't. (laughs) You'll find relief only in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see what I'm saying? You won't find that relief under the law. God won't let it. If he loves you, if you're his, if he chose you and gave you to Christ, you won't find relief in dead religion. You'll keep being troubled until you find yourself in the arms of Christ, all by his grace and mercy. And so our Lord said in John 9.39, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see. You that are stumbling about in darkness, that you would see the light of this world, the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of God, the Lamb of God, whom he sent to save his people, and that they which see... Those who are so confident and cocky and boastful in their religion that they might be made blind. Just kept shut up in darkness until they die and stand before holy God in the day of judgment. Next we see the sinner who's awakened by God is brought to mourn their sin. And they'll look for salvation. Look at verse 11, Isaiah fifty-nine, eleven. We roar all like bears. And mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none for salvation, but it is far off from us. Now, I had to do a little looking this up because I'm not a bear expert, but apparently, I mean, there are people that study bears and know them, and bears don't really, they don't typically roar. That's not one of their things. They make clicks and chomp their teeth and do little sounds and stuff, but they do roar, and it's called. They call it a human vocalization, which is they roar. They make a a sound like like a way a human might might roar when they are brought into extreme emotion, when they're stressed and and made afraid or or experiencing a very traumatic loss. That's when when they begin to roar. It's from an, an, an intense emotion, they're in pain, they're in sorrow, they're afraid. And that's when they begin to roar. And then this this morning dove, I always thought they were morning doves like the beginning of the day dove. But the morning dove is it's because their coo has a mournful sound. And there's tons of them around us. You probably have some in your yards. They're the the brownish gray ones with the little black dots and they're always a pair because they stay together for the season usually. And they have that sounds like like that and it's kind of a mournful kind of a mournful sound and so the child of God mourns because they're looking for relief from their pain and from their sorrow they're they're brought into great straits because they find no relief in what they do and they're trying they're sincere they're just sincerely wrong in in their religion, and and they they want to do what's right. The Lord has given that to them, but he doesn't leave them there so that they see everything I was doing just isn't, isn't finding me any relief with God. No lasting comfort, no peaceful rest. And that's where we'll remain until the Lord brings us into the arms to rest on the bosom of our Savior who loved us and gave himself for us and who is revealing himself to us for the purpose that you would know him who is the truth, him who is the way, and him who is our life. 
And so our Lord does that. And so our sovereign Lord, he knows exactly what's best for each of you, his children. And that distressing time that we go through, and, and, and for some it's a lot of distressing times that we go through, it's never, it's not for our punishment. And God is in, he's not just giving us little digs to get us back because we weren't cooperating with him earlier. The Lord doesn't do that. It's always for our good. It's always for our care. It's always to bring us to know that the end purpose is to know the Son. And so it's useful. Our distresses, our perplexities, they're, they're useful in bringing us to see that our worldly comforts, that's not it. That's not what the Lord is, has, has determined to give us. He's given us the Son, and He's given us life in the Son, and an inheritance in the Son. And so when distressing time, when that distressing time has served its purpose, the Lord then reveals the good news. He makes us to hear that good news. We may have been sitting under the good news the whole time, but in, in the day of his grace, when he's purposed to relieve you of your great stress and distress, he enables you to hear that the word of his, the, of his good news in the Lord Jesus Christ, to know that I'm his and he is mine, and he's purposed all these things because he loves me, and he's determined to help me, and to bring me to a comfortable end in Christ. Though, though all things around me may fall apart, we have an inheritance and a comfort in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a great, great comfort to his people. So take comfort. As Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3, 31 and 32, For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. And so our Lord Jesus Christ, he is the multitude of God's mercies. All spiritual blessings are given to us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's all given to us through the Son. It's all purposed of God to bless us in the Son. Nothing good, nothing, nothing at all comes to us outside of the Son. All things are given to you through the Son to the glory, praise, and honor of His glorious name. And so the Lord gives that to His people. It said that the morning dove actually isn't sad at all when it's making that, that coup. It's the time they do that when they're preparing their nest oftentimes, when they're getting ready to make a nest. And I think there's a picture in there that when we sound mournful, when, when it sounds most mournful and looks most horrible and sad, the Lord is ready to bless you. The Lord is preparing to bless you and to bring you into the end of that purpose for which he's brought that distressing time upon you. As our Lord said in Matthew 5, 4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's his promise to you. Trust him. Trust him. Believe him. Lord, you say, you say that you comfort those who mourn. Lord, please, please bring your comfort to me now. Please wrap your arms around me and comfort me. Keep me, Lord.
He knows. Next we see in verse 12 how the Lord makes his children to know their sin. They say, for our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. We know them. And so it's good for us to be brought to know that we are sinners before holy and perfect God. It's good for us to know that, no, we can't make an accounting for our sins. They're too many to number. Even if there was something that we, we could do about them, there's just far too many. And we can't do anything to, to relieve ourselves, to relieve the debt that we've accrued for our sins. And so the purpose isn't to sink us to hell, it's to show us that we need the salvation of God. We need the salvation of His Son. We need Him whom God has provided for this very purpose. That I, I can't outdo what God has done. I cannot outdo what the Son has provided, the richness of of His blessings, of His forgiveness with the Father. The guilty sinner's plea to God when taught by the Spirit is as, as David prayed in Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12, when he cried, Create in me, Lord, a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from Thy presence, and take not Thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit, or thy ready and willing spirit, because the Father is ready to forgive you. The Father is ready to pour out his blessings upon you, and he's willing. And so that prayer is only wrought in the one who knows themselves, that in themselves there is nothing good. And that in God alone is salvation. And they know that they learn that God is merciful to the needy sinner. Now, through our Lord's chastening of the sinner to make us see our need of the Lord's salvation, he also strips us and removes the vain, foolish thoughts and words and thoughts that we we had about God and about religion and how the Lord saves his people so that we cease to trust them, we cease to speak of them, we, speak, we cease, we stop trusting in them. He says in verse 13, In transgressing and lying against the Lord, and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. And so we're brought to see all my hopes were vain refuges. All my hopes were were vanity. They didn't save me. You know, by nature, we trust lies. We trust in in that which is false. We think we see the light. We think we see salvation. That's why so many go after false Christs and false saviors and false hopes. Because by nature, we, we love the darkness. We love that which is a lie and is false. Look over at Isaiah 28. Go to Isaiah 28, verses 15 and 16. Isaiah writes, Because ye have said, Because ye have said, We have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid 
ourselves. Now, the sinner in darkness, they don't say those words. They don't use the words lies and falsehood. What God is saying is everything that man trusts in, everything he turns to, is a lie and a falsehood that is not Christ. You just fill in X and Y. You just put whatever it is that you're hoping in, and the Lord's saying to you, you're hoping in that which is a lie and a falsehood. You could say whatever it is, and it says, we've we've trusted this. This is going to save us. And he says, it's a lie. It's falsehood. You might as well just call it what it is. And so, because of that, our Lord says in verse 16 there, Isaiah 28, 16, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation of stone, a tried stone. He's, he's proven. He's come through the fire. A precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth him shall not make haste. And so our God removes from his people those lies and falsehoods that we trusted in, and he lays for us the foundation and places us upon the foundation which is Christ. And Peter said it this way, 1 Peter 2.6, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, chosen of God, precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Are you troubled, having done all you can in religion, expended all your labors and all that you have to find a relief and peace and comfort for yourselves, behold, the servant of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the Father has sent, he is the salvation of his people. All who call upon him and rest in him, he says, you shall find rest for your souls. He was given and spared not that he might put away the sins of his people, so that you who have no hope and have no other confidence, have no other trust, but trust in his blood alone, you are accepted and received by the Father. The condemnation is put away. It's past. There is no no death. There is no second death waiting for you. You have eternal life by the Son, through the Son, in the Son. Believe Him, trust Him, brethren. I, all right, back in Isaiah 59, verses 14 and 15. And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. And so the nature, our nature, brethren, the nature of, of man, that which we are, it's fallen. And our, in our nature, there's nothing good. There's nothing righteous. There's, there, we are at the same level as the dirt in the street upon which men trample. That's our goodness. That's our works before God. And how few men would agree to that. How few people would say, yep, Lord, I am no greater than the dirt in the street that men walk upon. That's, that's my goodness. That's all I am. 
before you, Lord. But if there's a sinner, if there's one that says, that that is me, Lord, I'm nothing, that you should take notice of me. If there's a sinner, there's a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what the Lord is doing. He's stripping His people of these false hopes, these lies, that we would find all our confidence, all our hope, all our joy, all our peace, and all our rest in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the salvation of God's people. And so, the only salvation from this wickedness and this evil flesh for the awakened soul by grace is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when this world sees one who sees the sun going off, they hate him. They hate, they despise those who, who have hope and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ because we're not one with them. Our hand and our labors, our works are not for what they're laboring for and what they're working towards and, and pushing for. We don't want those things. We want the salvation of our God. We want to see his kingdom established. We're thankful and happy in him and what he's doing for us. And so those who are stripped of these things that we saw tonight, they find their happiness and their joy in the Lord Jesus Christ, even if it means being hated and despised by family members and friends and those that we once knew. And so this understanding and this knowledge, brethren, is what's worked in that soul which is being brought under the awakening power of God through grace, by His grace, in in which He's purposed and determined to show them Christ and to, to reveal faith in them which looks to the Lord Jesus Christ alone. So I pray the Lord will bless that word and comfort your hearts, brethren. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Our gracious Lord, we thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your your power and your glory, for your salvation, for your grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we cannot do it. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot work a work that can deliver us. But Lord, you say to the sinner, look no further than my son. Look to the son. Lord, we pray that you would indeed bless your people and you would pour out your spirit upon us, that we would see Jesus Christ, the righteous. And Lord, that we would be found in him, not having our own righteousness, which is by the works of the law or by the works of religion, by the works of this flesh, but that we would be found in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. It's in his name we pray and give thanks. Amen.